Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth 65, also known as Spider Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Abigail. And I'm Pax. So, for this week's Week Gwen update, we have a few pieces of information. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, uh, Part 1, the animated film from Sony, has been delayed to the 2nd of June, 2023. So, that's a ways off. We we did get that trailer recently, and um, it had a lot of polish to it, but apparently they, they're going to they're gonna keep working on that film for a bit longer. Um, this also means that Part 2 is going to release in 29th of March, 2024, which is also feels like a very long way away. Um, so it will be a good couple of years before we've watched all of that project. I, I I can't imagine that they initially intended for it to be two parts. Like it, it really must be a big thing for them to be doing it that like that. And and with already having like two lots of delays with COVID as well. So yeah, it's um I guess we'll see how it goes. Um Well they did say that um their story was so big it was so hard to contain it to just one movie. That's why yeah. they did part one and part two and animation does really take a long time, so I understand their decision to uh, push it to June. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. I think um, there's a really, uh, I mean, obviously it's present within all work under capitalism, but there's a p- particularly horrendous uh, culture of crunch uh, that you find in, in a lot of these animation and like CG studios within uh, Hollywood, and it's nice when they are afforded delays and breaks and stuff to make sure that, you know, not only that they can put out a good piece of art in the end but so that they can like do it with like all of their mental health intact i don't know if that will be the case obviously still it could still be a tight deadline for them i don't know yeah well the petty part of me is blaming morbius for this delay yeah it's is morbius's fault if you see any issues with cinema right now it isn't the uh inherent um like breaking of capitalism that uh, occur breaking of art that occurs under capitalism it is uh, just the film Morbius's fault. It is it is Jared Leto's Morbius that is at fault for all issues within the film industry right now. But um, it at least it's still going to be a fun summer flick to check out next year. Yeah. So we got that. 2023, a more optimistic year. But in much happier news, we got the uh, solicit for the finale of Gwenverse. The solicit just came out a week ago, and it says, face-to-face with finale, Gwen has one last stop, and it's at the end of time to face the one who started it all, Finale. But if Gwen defeats Finale, will her time be fixed? Perhaps not as she remembers it. And what's to happen to the other Gwens? Don't miss the epic final issue that will impact Gwen Stacy's entire timeline! Exclamation mark. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm interested. Like, obviously, I think the Gwen versus Finale fight will be interesting. Um, there's also a, like, we, we raised it a couple of episodes ago, the ethical question of what's going to happen to the Gwens. Do they just get absorbed back into the one Gwen? How's that going to work? Well, my crazy theory is that maybe all of these Gwens get, uh, transported into a world or like worlds that have lost their Gwens and the heroes that they embody. Yeah, that's a nice thought um yeah i mean i mean yeah that's 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 really good that's that's an excellent idea it's just like during the season one finale of what if when post-apocalyptic black widow was displaced into the uh, avengers assassinated earth yeah yeah it's a nice little multiverse trope i like that um and um actually one of the things that seems to be interesting here is they do seem to want to be changing some stuff about earth 65 it says here that um it's not as she remembers it so some stuff may change uh, to Gwen's status quo at the end of this. So uh, what, instead of Flashpoint, this is Gwen Point? This is Gwen Point. This is Gwen Point. I get that sense from it. that they, And I'm not sure what they really want to change about Gwen's status quo, because obviously they already reset it at, like, they already ignored what it looked like from the end of the Maguire era and kind of, like, 
reset it to like early Maguire, like Ghost Spider comics. Like it's not where it should have been really if they were respecting continuity to its fullest. So I don't, I don't know why they'd wait until the end of this series to make any real changes to Earth sixty five. But it might just be that like the churches are all Norse themed or something. You know, I don't know. I'm just hoping that in the next relaunch, whenever it is, that it just honors the end of the Maguire run and maybe just pick and choose what Tim Seeley put in, but mostly honoring what Maguire wrote. Yeah, like, I think, and that's not just to disrespect this series. Like, obviously, I I think, like, Seeley's miniseries here is fine, but it, it, it does feel like it's kind of its own thing. It doesn't feel like... um an earnest attempt at trying to tell like a like a long-term Spider-Gwen story. So like you say, if they, if they pick up a new one, it really ought to concentrate on uh, those relationships and connections, which are typical of, of the Spider-Gwen comics, which, which were cancelled and which were left largely uh, unfinished, I'd say. So I'd, I'm interested to see what's happening with that. Yeah, yeah, Gwen's due for another relaunch and most importantly, another character-defining run. Yes, absolutely. Um, Gwen did get another appearance this week. Um, is it Marvel Mech Strike Monster Hunters number two? Yep. During the same solicits uh, for uh, at the same time Gwen vs. number five was released, there was also another solicit for a new mini that's written by Krista Gage called Marvel Mech Strike Monster Hunters. And she appears on the cover and in the solicit for number two. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if we've mentioned the design because the design has floated about a bit before. Um, but there's a very cool looking Ghost Spider mech, um, and I'm interested to see what's happening with this. Um, well, this is her monsterfied mech. We don't even know what her normal mech looks like. She could have a normal mech. That's true. So this is like just the Pacific Rim mech that she's got then. Because the story behind Mech Strike Monster Hunters is that uh, Doctor Doom used a mystical eye to turn himself and the Avengers' greatest villains into monsters. So how the Avengers fight back is that they use Doctor Strange's own mystical eye. Not the eye of Agamotto. I'm talking about an identical eye similar to Doom's to upgrade their mechs into monster mechs. There are a lot of mystical eyes. So many of those. It's a whole genre. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think this is canon. It isn't. It'll it'll be its own continuity, I imagine. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I. Looks cool. Looks cool. I, if it, if Gwen's in it a bunch, maybe we'll read it for the podcast. I I mean, I'd be I'd be down to read it. it Marvel's mechs, like because they've done some stuff like this before. It's kind of more like a younger demographic, right? Like it's more of a like the unlimited stuff right yeah they even um on marvel hq's youtube channel they even put up uh animated shorts for uh, mech strike monster hunters really yeah gwen's not in it but it's like each episode is like um four to five minutes that's really cool i am i'll have to check that out um yeah no i'm um i i really like the look of that i've i've no negative opinions about gwen being a monster hunting pacific rim mech that's that's really fun but i think we'll only cover the series i think a reasonable coverage of gwen would be uh would be in monster hunters is if she appeared in 60 percent of the issues so three out of five yeah i mean if she had a good supporting role going there yeah that'd be fun um yeah um is that round up our uh week gwen update for this episode then Yep, that's all the Gwen news that we have, unless if something just drops in at the last minute. Okay, all right. Uh, so, uh, moving on. We are reading the next issue of Spider-Gwen Gwenverse. So, um, previously, uh, we read the Spider-Verse Spider-Zero anthology series uh, that was mostly written by Jed McKay um, and uh, included uh, entries from a few other people. That set up and debuted Spider-Zero. It came out a couple of years ago. The week, so the episode before that that we did, we read Spider-Gwen Gwenverse, number one. Now, this is a uh, ongoing, I say ongoing, it's a currently being released miniseries. We're very, very excited about it because it is new comics featuring our girl, Gwen65. It's not alternate continuity. It is Gwen65. Um, and we're very, very pleased about it. 
It's written by Tim Seeley with art by Jody Nishijima and colors by Frederico Glee. What we're going to do is summarize the issue in the synopsis, and then we're going to review, break it down, talk about our thoughts, and see where it goes from there. We do recommend that you uh, get Spider-Gwen, like read Spider-Gwen Gwenverse number two. Um, it's available on Comixology, your local comic book store, uh, wherever comics are found, uh, you will find that issue. Um, so starting our synopsis now. Dr. Cephalopod and Night Gwen track Ghost Spider and Thor Gwen through the timeline, finding the aftermath of their fight in Norway 800 CE. Finale urges them on after the Gwens, angry that her plans are being messed up. Spider-Gwen managed to convince the vanity-obsessed Thor-Gwen to come along in finding the next anomalous Gwen variant by telling her of photography and the celebrity fame that she could get in the future. They travel to 1951. Once there, they do some fact-finding about Captain America, Gwen Rogers. Inspired by Earth-65's first Captain America, Samantha Wilson, Cap-Gwen started out as an orphan girl who emulated her in everything. She became a scientist and recreated the Super Soldier Serum, adopting the mantle as her own. Spider-Gwen and Thor-Gwen find Cap-Gwen at a meet-and-greet event where she quickly agrees to assist them in their efforts. Things go sour, though, when it turns out that a Captain America pin-up calendar has been released, much to Cap-Gwen's dismay. Seeing Thor-Gwen reacting with glee at the exhibitionism of it, Cap-Gwen gets angry, presuming Thor-Gwen is the model identical to her featured in the calendar, and the two end up coming to blows. Cap-Gwen reflects Mjolnir's lightning back at Thor-Gwen, catching Spider-Gwen in the collateral too, and leaves before they can recover themselves. Before they can pursue her, though, local cops approach the two dazed Gwens with guns raised and questions about their means of transport, a stolen coupe they found in the parking lot. Before they can fight, Spider-Zero pulls them back to Loom World, chastising them for the kind of disruption this fighting could do to the timeline. She laments that the timeline is only getting more tangled. They figure out from the calendar that Capcoin is headed to the creator of the calendar, Markham Arcus, and plan to find her there. Capcoin crashes Arcus's Halloween party and finds the individual responsible for the calendar's photo shoot, Gwen Howlett, the Wolverine. Gwen Vereen had become resentful of Cap Gwen where she had her powers forced on her. Cap Gwen chose hers and was symbolic of an escalation of superhuman soldier experiments. Spider Gwen and Thor Gwen arrive at the scene, but just at that moment, Finale's goons, Roachman 2099, and Fossil show up through portals in a surprise attack. Roachman stabs Gwen Vereen with his knife arm, but before he can finish her off, Cap Gwen defends her. The telepathic machine that lets Stegron slash Fossil control the bones tries to forcibly draw Ghost Spider's symbiote away, but before he can do too much damage, she pulls Fossil's head off. Cap-Gwen severs his arm to free his grip on Spider-Gwen, and Thor-Gwen smashes through his skeleton, destroying him completely. Roachman persists in his attack, declaring his hatred of the homeless, protesters, and little blonde superheroes, but Gwen Vereen spares no quarter this time and kills him before he can make a move or before Spider-Gwen can convince her to take a more lenient approach. Spider-Zero pulls the team back to Loom World, even Gwen Vereen who is dragged by Thor-Gwen kicking and screaming. The group of Gwens agree to work together, while back in 1951 the civilians assess the damage of the building where the fight took place. There a young Howard Stark tends to his friend Norman Osborn, who is blinded in the crossfire wanting to protect him with a real suit of armour. And that's been issue number two of Gwenverse. Let's go, let's go. I went into this with like very specific concerns that they were going to like raise Samantha Wilson, Captain America, who's been previously established. But they, they like, this is like her first panel. Like they actually give her a panel, like her first panel in many issues of Spider-Gwen comics to clarify that Cap-Gwen America is not interfering with that Captain America and is in fact inspired by her. And that's that's I I was glad they did that. Yeah, um, I think I likened the situation in the previous episode to Isaiah Bradley, where she's Samantha's successor. Yeah, I guess I suppose it's a bit like that. Um, I think maybe Gwen's having an easier time of it than Isaiah, maybe. But but yeah, it's it, it's a sort of it's a it's a it's a fifties Captain America, um, not a not a forties one, right? So, uh, we get um. We we get we get quite a bit of time like establishing Cap Gwen America as being kind of like a bit more righteous than the other Gwens, 
she has no issues wanting to help them figure out what happened. Like she has zero problems with any of that. Like she does not take any convincing. Well, this was mostly because um, her rationale for agreeing to go with the other Gwens was that uh, Samantha went to other dimensions all the time. So this is just a regular thing for her. Yeah, yeah, she's really changed. Like, like she idolizes. I think, I think, in fact, that's that. This is her weakness, right? That she idolizes Samantha. Um, and this is apparently one of Gwen sixty five's weaknesses. Well, who did Gwen sixty five idolize other than her dad? She certainly didn't do it to Peter Parker, like six one six Peter Parker. She does a thing. How how does she phrase it in the comic? Cap Gwen is the part of her that looks up to good people. Yeah, I I fact. Samantha Wilson is one of those people who she looks up to a lot as well, in fairness. Oh, now I just remembered a person that she idolized before they turned out to be a not-so-good person, Sue Storm. Yeah, the Sue Storm. Like, it's happened a couple of times in, like, notable ways. Enough that Tim Seeley felt that he could he could make it a weakness, at least in this instance here. I think she probably, like, back in the Latour run, she probably looked up to the Wasp at some point. Yeah, that makes sense. I want I want that like prequel comic, that like year one style comic where like Gwen sixty five meets Wasp sixty five. Yeah, because I think um since Wasp was the one who gave her her original costume and web shooters, that she must have deduced that Gwen was Ghost Spider. Yeah, maybe. Or I yeah, I'd be interested to see that. So yeah, like there's a. Yeah, there's a good awareness, of, I think, of the world of Earth-65 in this. Um, and I'm appreciating like, that they're not wantonly overriding stuff, at least not yet at this point. They're honoring like some of the history, because at least uh, Samantha Wilson was kept intact. Yeah, and the fact that like Tim Seeley is actively aware of like the initial Earth sixty five versions of these characters means that he's not going to do like um he could have done like a a, a generic Captain America style Capcom America right but he's instead he's done one who is very specifically inspired from the Earth sixty five Samantha Wilson right with with all of the inst- like she's very aware of like interdimensional stuff and all of that so um. I would be more interested particularly in how he would do that with with um Iron Gwen, right? Because yeah. the Iron Man of Earth 65 is very very different from other earths and crucially we haven't seen him. We haven't seen Tony Stark Earth 65. We just hear him spoken about in a negative context. So if he's aware enough of like Samantha Wilson, I really hope he is of of Tony as well so that we we can have like a uh, uh, an interesting take in the next issue yeah i think we can um go back to our iron gwen theories later on in the episode since we have someone possibly related to her Mm -hmm. right that makes sense but yeah anyway also uh another thing with the uh with cap gwen is that how uh, she adopted steve rogers last name since uh steve also still exists in this rewritten timeline because uh canonically he was the one who drew samantha's adventures in the comic books yeah, like obviously they wanted to call her Gwen Rogers after Steve Rogers Captain America. Not necessarily Samantha Will like like I don't know. They they were really keen on having the character be called Gwen Rogers, so they've kind of found like a really like roundabout way of saying it by like bringing in Steve Rogers cuz like they didn't they didn't have to do it like that. Like that, that felt off. But their solution was that Cap Gwen is orphaned, so um, so she just decided to take Steve's last name. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think it was also because Thor Gwen also mentioned in the backstory that Gwen was uh, was inspired by Steve Rogers. Like, uh, like she liked him and his art so much that she took his last name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what they're trying to do with it. I mean, it it does feel like it. Yeah, it was it was a choice. But remember how uh, um, Cap Gwen also mentioned that uh, there was also an alternate universe issue where uh, Captain America was actually Steve Rogers and said that that was crazy. Yeah, like and and specifically that it got the Steve Rogers got to meet Samantha Wilson, Captain America. Like so, it implies there's a crossover issue in there somewhere, you know. Yeah, but I think uh, if I remember correctly, in the Latour run, like isn't Steve living in a retirement home? Yeah, Steve is in a retirement home in the Latour run, and like I'm, I'm trying to make the timing line up in my head, but that is 
a very old man. That is, if he's successfully produced the Captain America comics in the early 50s, he must be pretty ancient. Probably over a hundred. Yeah, by the time... Yeah, that's that's the floating timeline for you. Yeah, because it said canonically uh, Steve was born in, uh, I think, 1918. Oh my days, wow, yeah. That's that's really old. Or 1920, depending on who writes it. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's a while. That's a while. And um, how they made his birthday July 4. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I think that's probably, that's all we have to say with uh, Captain Gwen America. I think yep. we should rotate to the star of our show, Gwen 65. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to say, this is... This, if this is the second time that a writer has just just put in their very specific kink in a line of dialogue um uh, regarding when like i like we had we had a weird line right in Gwen versus carnage about Gwen being into being crushed which was what and in this one we now have a line about Gwen being an exhibitionist. So, just yeah, what is going on, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, because we just said in the previous uh, Gwenverse episode that um, canonically, Gwen has never been one for that much attention. Yeah, there is an extended bit, right, in this where, because of the parts of Gwen's personality, right, for Gwen is like absolutely delighted that there is a pinup calendar. Of her butt going around, right? Whereas Cap Gwen is dismayed about it because she's much shyer, more like private or whatever. Like, um, and they they actually fight over it. And like the way Gwen describes it, this whole part exhibitionist, part shy recluse. That's the quote. But the way Gwen describes it, it's like why she's formed a band but stayed in the back as a drama. And the caption as Thor Gwen and Cap Gwen fight over the fact that there is like pinup photos of them is it's an eternal battle this is an eternal battle over whether or not Gwen is an exhibitionist i don't know i'd or or, or rather just really enjoys the attention i don't know um it, it's it's a really like an odd way of praising it all it's very funny yeah and this is another time in the comic where gwen said that um she was the one who formed the band but uh not according to mj's memories no i the, the way the way i see it is gwen is is a key founder of the band right like it's not it's not just, it's not going to be just mary jane mary jane may have suggested it yeah. first but you know they were clearly gwen had a lot of input i'm not opposed to that narrative i i, I like the idea even if, even if gwen didn't make the band before i'm not against it here yeah because you know the band is called the mary janes not the gwen stacy's yeah um which i guess is um but they, they went back and forth on that name a lot right before like that was that was well after glory and that joined the band I think um, even Betty proposed that the band should be called Murder Face, and then MJ turned it down. But then Betty said that she already made the flyers for it. Yeah, like yeah. So so the the name was in flux until well after the band was formed, right? So it's not indicative of the founder. I, 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 I don't. Yeah, I, I like the idea of. I, I, I do, I do. I like the the idea of Gwen being the founder or founding member of the band. I think that that seems to fit her, and I like the idea of of her wanting some amount of the spotlight, but never like the full the full thing. As she's a drummer, like the drummer speaks to her personality, like that be the aspect of her. So, do you think maybe do you think back in the sixth grade that Gwen just pitched the band idea to MJ, and then somewhere down the line, uh, Gwen later became like not so invested, but whereas MJ was just all gung ho. Yeah, it it kind of like I I don't know. I feel like it's something they 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 could elaborate on more, but it it's not that it doesn't make sense. You know, it, like I I I do think that Gwen being a founding member of the band, I th- I think it's sort of kind of it. It worked, you know. Yeah, because back in King and Black, um, during the whole memory scene, MJ was raving about like what good they could do as a band, and and then Gwen just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I see that, but I don't, I don't 
I don't necessarily think it undermines all of it. I really don't. Yeah, I think I'll go along with. Yeah, Gwen was a you know, major player in the like the founding of the band, but she just wasn't that invested into it as the same level as MJ. But she still wanted a little bit of the spotlight. Yeah, like just just because she didn't have just because she wasn't the first person to say, "Hey, we should start a band." Like, doesn't mean that she, she, she clearly, like, if, if, if Gwen looks back on all the input that she's had into that band, she, she'd want to see herself as a founder, I think. You know, especially if it's after MJ looked at the drumming that Gwen was doing and asked if she wanted to start a band. Like, you know, it, it lines up. It lines up. Yeah. And I kind of find it a little bit funny how uh, the issue began with uh, how Gwen was practically acting as Thor, Gwen's babysitter. Yeah. Um, it's uh Thor Gwen is like a lot shallower than I anticipated. Like she is literally just like after the attention, and Gwen was able to like our Gwen Spider Gwen was able to convince Thor Gwen to leave her home like bit of the timeline purely off the back of there is photography in the future. You can become a celebrity. It is a whole thing. Thor Gwen was so here for that and left uh and and that seems like like a questionable i don't know well this is the part of her that's uh like egotistical and attention seeking and you know um she's so obsessed with her butt-sized thor gwen yeah like she has a whole thing about um the odin daughter's posterior and all of that it's a whole thing yeah, and there's that one line from Gwen sixty five where she was like, "I didn't steal that magazine just so you could wage a butt war." Yeah, it was. It, it, it's 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 definitely a point of contention. A large amount of this comic, an unusual amount of this comic, is spent in conversation about Spider Gwen's butt. It is unusual. Well, technically, since um, well, this is Gwen Vereen posing as a Cap Gwen for the calendar to show off. Uh, they're asked, "Do you think that this is uh like Tim Seeley getting on the bandwagon for America's ass?" The bandwagon for America's ass. What is that? That he just wanted his own take on America's ass. Yeah, I guess. I guess it is kind of rooted in in that one joke, perhaps in a loose way. Yeah, it's just like with that one game night issue of Captain Marvel where uh where they were all like Captain America's butt. Yeah, it's um <laughs> Yeah, I know. It, it, yeah, I guess it is kind of yeah. I guess it's kind of that same genre of joke, right? Yeah. And then when uh, Thor Gwen was showing the calendar off to a uh, Cap Gwen and Spider Gwen, did you notice how the two of them blushed when they saw Gwen Vereen's ass? Yeah, it's um Alright, there's there's got to be some kind of ethical considerations going on here. I I am, it's it's a it's a lot. But anyway, like uh, back to Gwen sixty five. Uh, um, didn't you see that nice moment? Like, well, according to her, anyway, when Fossil was trying to steal her symbiote, she calls the gummy spiders the girls. I love that. In fact, that whole fight with Fossil just like it's it's only like maybe like a page long, two page long sequence, right? really enjoyed it um like it's it like they like they really thought about because one of the things i was thinking about they haven't really used the symbiote much in the fighting right um but they did in that like they they thought about it and then they have this whole moment where it's like it's being like drained off her and then she like she, she like wins the fight in a clutch moment but but yeah i really enjoyed that i thought that was an interesting consideration of of how to fold the symbiote powers into a fight yeah it was it was very cool yeah she said that um she and the girls have been through a lot together and uh they like her weak pink flesh more than his dry smithsonian ass yeah yeah it's um it was it was a nice moment for them to rally around i think yeah i think it was because you know gwen learned from the first time when uh part of her symbiote was bonded to mj she doesn't want the same thing to happen again yeah. Although there's been no word on whether or not when um when MJ was separated from the majority of the Carnage symbiote, if Gwen ended up reabsorbing her parts back. I think in that instance, like it all kind of just becomes Gwen's symbiote again, right? Like it's all it's all absorbed back in, right? It just shows uh MJ separating from the majority, and then when it attempts to rebond to her, Gwen just swings away. 
Maybe that's just the six one six symbiote bit of, in that particular instance. Maybe it's not like the actual the actual bit of Gwen's was returned to her. Probably. Yeah. But um, remember how um even back in the Latour run and also in last issue, I brought up that Gwen has kind of regressed into a self-loathing phase. Yeah, they've yeah. kind of thought. Yeah, Gwen. Yeah, you're right. I think yeah. Yeah, do you think because since the variants keep fighting with each other, yeah, Gwen even says that um that the other Gwens hate each other, is that still kind of some level of self-loathing? Yeah, I think it's like reflective of a lot about like Gwen is kind of unhappy with herself as a person and they're kind of trying to flesh out that a bit. They did promise that Gwen still has a lot of growing up to do by the end of Gwenverse, but how much more growing up does she need to do? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, because I was thinking about it, is I really enjoy Spider-Man comics for that kind of, like, that angsty kind of character development and tension, but, like, at a certain point, do you expect a character to age out of it? Do you, you know, like, how do you how do you kind of move forward with that? I think maybe if they connected the feelings with self-loathing with perhaps some of the mistakes and stuff that she'd like done in the Maguire run, like like some of the stuff that, like, M. Jarnage was saying and talking about, like if they kind of connected, like Gwen's active mistakes that we've seen her make, alongside a lot of character development, um, with the way that she feels about herself now, it would read better. Well, I think one of her traits that she caught herself uh, along the line was um when Roachman was chasing after her, and she said that there's just this one moment when she fights a creep whether if it's bodega bandit or null there's a little voice in her head that um like she should just end them like they want to end her but she chooses not to because she knows it's wrong that is a slight issue with that bit because it felt like it was undermined by the fact that they definitely did end fossil the page before right like they smashed him to pieces well i think that's self-defense on gwen's part or maybe she thinks that Fossil is already considered dead or undead in his case. But, like, Roachman was also being aggressive. He was trying to kill them. He had already stabbed Gwenverine twice. Like, if I were Gwenverine, I would consider killing Roachman. Especially if he's just made a speech about killing protesters and homeless people and, like, other superheroes and stuff. Like, to me, it read really strangely, because if they were trying to make a point about, like, because obviously Gwen does have a vicious side, right? We've seen it. Yeah, that's all of Gwen Vereen. That's her vicious side. Yeah, like, they picked a really weird way to communicate it, like, being like, okay, killing the bad guy in the fight instead of just, like, knocking them out or sending them to prison or whatever. That's the bad thing. And I don't know if it necessarily always is. If that bad guy is actively threatening you, you know? Well, she almost did the same thing to Murdoch before Gwen 617 had to interfere with the portal watch. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I think it, like, and again, I'm not saying this is not, like, a kind of thing that Gwen does, but the specific framing of the situation kind of undermined the point they were trying to make. Like, to me, it didn't it, it didn't seem like that much of a big deal for Gwenverine to kill the Roachman after all of what had just happened. Versus all these other times that Gwen was extreme towards people, which didn't really need to be. I think it's because, um, well, she also said that that voice is her dad's and she knows that that's not her, what her dad would want her to do. Right, right, right. No, no, no. I, and again, I'm not against the idea of, of like, like, you know, that being a kind of default position for Gwen of not executing the people she fights. Like, I think that, that, that definitely works. Well, I think for uh, Fossil's case... Gwen didn't even murder Fossil. She just killed him. Fossil's death wasn't premeditated. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even then, I, 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 I see it. I see what you're saying, but like, Roachman really definitely had it coming there. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really feel like, like it wasn't outside the terms of the Geneva Convention. You know, like it was still very much within the realm of free play to just to to do that like old because it's an homage as well that panel yeah. of wolverine killing um beetle back in the day oh no it was hornet hornet i keep calling hornet beetle for some reason lately yeah killing hornet back in the day i feel like that kind of lines up you know yeah but i think before we segue into murder mystery um 
Like, I want to go back to when uh, Gwen said that she uh, fights all those creeps. I like how she um she just ranks her rogues gallery from bo- from on a scale of bodega bandit to null. Yeah, it's um it's definitely a wide range of villains that she's had to fight over the years. Well, I wouldn't call her fight with null a fight. She attempted to kick him. Mm-hmm. He caught her foot and then kicked him in the chin with her other foot, and then he yeeted her out of the hive. Yeah, I hear that. No, it definitely wasn't like a proper fight, you know, like a proper duel or anything. It was a, it was, it was, a, it was a very unhappy conversation with some kicking involved. Um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I like in my mind though, you know, it's a thing, you know, it's something, right? Yeah, but if we really are ranking her rogues from on a scale of Bodega Bandit to Null, where would Murdoch fall into that place? Like, in terms of power level or level of villainy? Danger. Squarely in the middle. I think squarely in the middle of those two. Or what about M. Jarnage? I'd say more than Murdoch. Closer to Null, but not quite. I personally would put her closer to Murdoch, but definitely in between him and Null. Okay, what what about Sue Storm, then? Closer to Null. Mm, yeah, a lot closer to Null. Okay, so Sue Storm would be closer to Null, but um, what about um um M Jarnage and Sue Storm? Like, would Sue rank higher than MJ? I think Sue, yeah. Sue's more evil. MJ never never really committed to the evil stuff, whereas Sue did. Yeah, or um, I think the only other person would be Cindy, close to Murdoch. Yeah, Cindy about same as Murdoch. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's yeah ranking all of Gwen's dangerous ro- jackal. Um, I want to say less than Murdoch, but not much less. So he's almost neck and neck with Murdoch, would you say? Yeah. Man wolf. Less than jackal. Okay, so I guess that's all of Gwen's uh prominent dangerous rogues that are gonna be ranked on a scale from Bodega Bandit to Null. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that checks out. So, um, we've already, like, did we already say a lot to say there is about Thor Gwen? Yeah, I reckon. Okay, what about, um, okay, moving on to uh, Gwen Vereen, actually. So, it seems here that, um, Gwen Vereen is Canadian, and from the 1800s, like, Logan was, so, like, um... Yeah, canonically, Logan was born in the, uh, late 1880s in the Canadian wilderness. Yeah, so, Gwen Vereen's been around for a bit, but... They also crucially they they didn't go to the eighteen hundreds to stop her or anything, like so does that mean for like half a century or whatever, however long she's been running about, she's actually not caused any significant time disruption, and it's only at this point that she is. I like how does all that work? Well, I think um think of it as like um the like the TVA's perspective um Gwen Vereen's presence during the 1880s didn't cause that much of a nexus event for attention to be drawn to her. Yeah, I guess cuz she could have followed like Logan's history or maybe ha- that um she was taken into Weapon X at an early age and then just was raised there until she finally got out. Yeah, that would make sense. My only issue here is that like this doesn't map onto the way that Wolverine 65 works. Like, Wolverine 65 is, like, he's cursed, and he was a samurai. He was all these other things. He wasn't an experiment in the same way that Gwen Vereen is here, you know? Well, maybe that part of history was rewritten. Maybe Logan was still um, a samurai, because he was born, like, way before the 1880s on Earth-65 canonically. So, unless if uh, Gwen Vereen was just the universe's way of... Uh, replacing him or she just so happened to have the same mutant powers as him yeah i see that i see that vision but either way um logan was mentioned in this issue as a throwback since uh gwen 65 brought up the name of mr murder hands yeah yeah that was a nice little reference i like that that was that was cute and then later she says that she's met the real wolverine i'm not sure if that's supposed to mean laura or mr murder hands you see, Laura is the real Wolverine, if we think about it. Like, she's the realist. And she's also the only Wolverine she knows. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I was thinking that, like, she hasn't met Wolverine 616, so... Yeah, she's never met Logan 616 because, well, he was dead at the time, and... Yeah, she yeah the only Wolverine that she met was Laura. 
Yeah, that checks out, you know. She only called Mr. Murderhands Wolverine because she said that she knows one of those. Yeah, I guess it kind of, um, yeah. Bringing this up again, she decided to impersonate Cap or the calendar to annoy her. Yeah, she has a very um vindictive sense of justice, even in the petty things. And I'd be interested to see what she's like in the next issue, because I get the sense that, like, she hasn't, like, we haven't seen her at her worst from the way that Gwen's talking about her, like, we'll see her try to do something equivalent or worse than killing Roachman, and Gwen will step in that time, and we'll see how that goes down, you know? I found that part funny where um doing the calendar wasn't so peachy for her because she had to shave her legs. More so than the other ones who are replacing male villains. You get the sense that, like, Gwen Verine is more, like, more of a dude, like... Like, no, a tomboyish personality. Yeah, like, they even have this line about her, like, being oily, like, which I thought was, like, okay. But yeah, like, got more of, like, the kind of Wolverine grossness, I guess, is kind of implied. Well, you try being born in the 1880s only to have almost your whole life uh, being used as, as an experiment for Weapon X. It's not fun. It's not fun. Gwen, Gwen gets all, Gwen Howlett gets all the passes that she wants. It's just a Wolverine thing. Yeah, it's it is it is more of a Wolverine thing, yeah. Even though we didn't get um much of her, we only got her for the first two pages. Uh, well, Night Gwen is here. Yeah, um, and she's like she's she's definitely like doing like the detective stuff which we've seen her do in the past, but she's now just, she's doing it for the baddies. Well, yeah, she broke bad because according to Tim Seeley, this does take place after Heroes Reborn number five. Her characterization. Yeah, like so she so like we we did we did the Night Gwen one shot where she was like very much like not evil, but here she is and it's because she's bit, she got goblin gassed in like a single scene in some other issue of Heroes Reborn and apparently that was permanent. And yeah, that's that then. She's evil now. Yeah, that would explain so much as to why her bio from the previous issue said occupation, former psychiatric doctor. Yeah, um, so it's, um, that's why she's evil now. At least that's why she's working for Finale. So, yeah, um, that's why she's like this. Yeah, so what, do you think that, um, after getting gassed, she just turned against the Nighthawk? Maybe. Yeah, it's such a cheap way to make a character evil though. I'm I'm sorry. Like I feel like that's got that's got to be reversed at some point, surely. Yeah, cuz well she said that um well according to the story, yeah, she told Nighthawk that uh, they were wrong about crime and then decided to like um throw I think Nighthawk's uh I don't know, batarangs into Goblin's eyes. Oh my goodness, what? That's wild. Yeah, she says they were wrong about crime and then just, um, like, maims the goblin. Wow, okay. And then it said on the wiki, what happened to Gwen afterwards is unknown. And then well, this is our unknown. She became evil. Yeah, we're finding out now. I hope they give her a bit more development. I'm hoping that, like, maybe they pick it up. Like, I hope that it, that, that isn't Tim Se- the, the length and the breadth of Tim Seeley's explanation isn't, like, linking some panels from another comic. Like, he does actually touch base with night gwen's moral code and stuff well maybe the remaining three issues might explain the full story as to why gwen's gone bad but i feel like heroes reborn number five is the only way we'll get that story which would be a massive shame Uh, i think really it'd be a bit of a a waste really to sort of have all that crucial character development be down to a bit of goblin gas you know yeah, but at least uh, she still hasn't lost her confidence. Remember when she told Dr. Cephalopod after dealing with Finale that um, Nighthawk used to make her chase Bullseye through DC in a heavy rain-soaked cape while reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in Latin, and then that Finale is nothing compared to that? That was really funny. Uh, it was That was a really funny like little bit about the Nightbird history, and it was a good little bit of characterization as well. So I hope that, like, you know, it does feel like an earnest attempt at the character, you know? Yeah, and she still mentions that she used to be a psychiatrist because uh, she said that she didn't even need her psychiatric degree to explain how Gwen 65 was able to sway Thor Gwen onto her side. Yeah, um, 
like her characterizations are coming through. Yeah, you see him. You see him. I, I just yeah. we just need more of the character, I suppose. Yeah. So, but yeah, with Night Gwen Breaking Bad, um, so is she practically Cassandra Kane at this point? Um, not not the good bit of Cassandra Kane. Um, I yeah no, I mean she's got she's definitely got the whole Batgirl gone bad thing going on. That's for sure. Like the only trait from Cassandra Kane. Yeah, and, and even then, I don't think Cassandra Kane or her fans would would approve of would approve of, of considering that that is a good representation of of Cassandra Kane in that comic where she turned evil. Like, uh, yeah. So, well, was Cassandra able to lead something? Because well, Night Gwen got promoted to new leader of the Terminal Six. I don't know. I, I haven't read it. From what I understand, she got drugged and she was like forced to be evil. So it wasn't great. It wasn't a great situation for her. Okay. So, um, yeah, we only got a little bit of Spider Zero here who, like, I mentioned that I'm concerned that they just might be turning Spider Zero into Karn 2.0 just because of uh, well, serving as mission control. Yeah, I think it would be a bit of a waste of like this character because she does seem quite interesting and she has uh, a really cool design. Uh, but but yeah, like you say, she's just completely in a support role. She's literally just like this this magical support character who jumps in, pulls them out of whatever sticky situation they're in, gives them a quick pep talk, and sends them back in for the next issue. And it's like I don't, you know, like that's cool, that's fine, right? But Spider Zero needs to have something going on as well, right? Surely. Yeah, I think um. Like after having a whole like event, uh, like that she was created as a part of to participate in, and then she, she's just Karn two point right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope they go somewhere else for Spider Zero, like somewhere new, because because yeah. it's an interesting character to waste on that kind of role. Yeah. Okay. And um, there's also a finale here. Yeah. Um. So she's she's like upset that she put all that work into um into this whole like living multiple lives across the the timeline thing and then it like failing like this um so um because you know when the cephalopod was explaining that they can't do multiple time jumps because it's gonna ruin the timeline making it into branches and then finale was like blah 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 you're boring my chronograph yeah yeah she's she's literally like she's got nothing else left to lose at this point yeah, she said that she only wants her superhero lives back and nothing else. Honestly, it might be like the last thing she ever does if this is like the end of the universe. So, you know, like I get it. It's an interesting motivation. Well, remember previous issues uh, said that her failure of splintering herself only landed her a ticket of joining the rest of the Terminal 6 into oblivion. Yeah, so she like needs it as an out. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, so, but I'm kind of getting the uh, suspicion that Finale might already be someone that we know. Maybe once, um, is, is that armor that she's wearing? She is wearing armor, yeah. So maybe if she ever steps out of that armor and turns out to be someone we already know? Yeah, maybe she is. Yeah, that would make sense. Because I thought that she would be a Gwen variant until she didn't have any familiarity of who Gwen Stacy was. Yeah, I, I guess I guess we're gonna find out a bit more about Finale. I think it's like so she's picked up this cat at the end of number two, so she's gonna like tell her life story to this lone cat. So I guess we'll find out. You know, what do you think are the chances that when she tells her backstory, her face might be partially concealed? So. We'll find out who she is almost at the end of the event. Hey, that's a good bet. I'm interested now. I'm gonna I'm gonna look out for that. That would be a good prediction from you in there. That's only because I'm I'm subscribing to the theory that finale might be already someone that we know. Yeah, I I would like that. It'd be a nice nice way to sort of tie it all back in together. Yeah. Then um, but but remember how like it seems like dr cephalopod she constantly verbally abuses him yeah yeah cephalopod gets a hard time and just takes all of it it's like yeah my bus sucks and then just just gets on gets on with the day well isn't that a constant of all doc ox they get abused they they get a lot of yeah it's, it's, it's a real deal it's a real deal out there for the multiple armed community <laughs> Well, well, this version of Doc Ock, well, Cephalopod, anyway, he just straight up ate a person. Yeah, um, definitely leaning into the Cthulhu vibe with that. 
all he needed from the villager was information, and then he's like, "Thank you," and then chomp. <laughs> it's it's wild. It's wild. I love all the designs for the Terminal Six, by the way. Like I'm I'm enjoying these villains. Like 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 they are all evil and interesting and have very good designs. Yeah, they're all great. Well, there's no longer six of them since um presumably Roachman and Stegron are dead. Yeah. Now it's the Terminal Four. The Terminal Four. Yeah. There are. Um, they maybe they'll kill off a couple every issue until the end. Then maybe. So because the next two members that haven't been seen in this issue are uh, Black Thirteen and Glam Goblin. Yeah, I guess we'll see how that pans out then. So I'm just wondering, what like are two members getting killed every issue? Yeah, somebody should somebody should warn those people. They're in a lot of danger. <laughs> yeah, two people getting killed until Night Gwen is the last person standing. Yeah, the numbers would line up with the last issue as well, wouldn't they? So, you know, who knows? I guess we'll find out. I think the biggest twist of this issue is that how those two little trick-or-treaters turned out to be a young version of Howard Stark and Norman Osborn. Yeah, so yeah, they have them they have them in the background throughout the comic like like trying to look at what's going on. And and there's like this like awful foreshadowing where the one who isn't blinded, where like Howard isn't blinded, but he kept seeing to like Norman keeps asking him to have a look, and but Howard keeps saying no 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 you can't you can't look you can't look let me look, and then it's Norman who's blinded, so it's like it's this like awful like tragic irony going on there, you know? Yeah, I think um they should have seen it coming when uh, Gwen Vereen was stabbing Roachman. Yeah. Yeah, it also means that Norman 65 is, like, really old. Like, much older than we initially, like, he looks. Unless this is, like, in some roundabout way, like, his father, like, I don't know how that works. No, I think I speculated that in this new timeline, Norman must have been born earlier because I always assumed that Norman is at least a decade older than Tony. Yeah, it's... I I'm not I'm not sure how it's lined up, but but yeah, um, I guess we'll find out as they develop that going into the next one. Yeah, and I also um wanted to point out that um Howard wearing a pilot's costume, I I kind of made that a Howard Hughes reference because, well, Tony was based on Howard Hughes, and um, he was also a pilot. Yeah, it it all comes full circle, I guess. And the two of them also had a. Uh, like a pumpkin trick-or-treating basket. So um, when it was revealed that that other kid was Norman Osborn, you know, a reference to the pumpkin bomb. Yeah. Um, so there's no bad feelings associated with the pumpkin bomb from <laughs> the people they're trick-or-treating on. No, but um, but all of the other uh, trick-or-treaters slash party-goers at the uh, party, even though I didn't put that down in the notes, they were actually... Um, references to like the golden age of comics. Yeah, like because obviously they normally with like the costume parties they do like within the context of a Marvel comic is they'll have them dressed up as the Marvel superheroes, but they can't do that here. They so they're all making up new costumes. It's all very interesting. As a new costumes or very very old ones rather. Oh no no yeah no they're not making up. They did actually exist in the nineteen forties when Marvel was still known as timely. Yeah, that's wild. I love that. That's really neat. Yeah, so um, in the background, there's um, partygoers dressed up as Clairvoyant's Black Widow, Madeline Joyce's Miss America, Spitfire, and uh, Markham Arcus's costume of Vision. That's actually um, supposed to be a reference to Golden Age Vision, where the Vision was named Arcus, and he wasn't a robot. He was an alien. And the scientist who brought him to Earth was named Markham. Yeah, that is elaborate. Yeah. But yeah, that's just a uh, a way back throwback since... Uh, yeah, those were the only available 1940s heroes that they could use. Yeah, that's... um. I, I guess it must be like the all of the copyright stuff stuff from back then is all kind of messed up anyway now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah it, yeah no I'm uh, that was interesting I I like I like how they sort of thought about this bit of the world it definitely feels like it's all in the fifties especially the art kind of carries that pretty well oh yeah we also promised that um you know we would be circling back to uh, Iron Gwen since uh, a young Howard Stark is here so 
I'm thinking what's her story going to be because in 616, Tony was adopted by Howard because uh, his biological son, Arno, had to be put in hospice. So Tony served as a decoy. It's possible that um, Iron Gwen is is just straight taking the place of Tony. So would she be Howard's biological child or would she also be adopted like Tony 616? Yeah, it could be that. Or it's like Tony's sidekick or like apprentice. Or adopted sister. Or adopted sister or whatever, like the way they're playing it. It could go either way. I'd just be interested to see if all of that stuff that like Tony Stark is accused of doing in other Spider-Gwen comics, if there's any kind of follow up on that, you know? So are you kind of worried that Gwen Stark just might be the CEO? It would be worrying. Like, I I would be more stressed. That's for sure, yep. But that's only if uh, she turns out to be just as egomaniacal as Tony. Yeah, only only if we see that. I, I really do want to see that side of it, though. I really do want to see the sort of, like, evil CEO thing that they've they've been doing in Earth-65 historically. But would Iron Gwen be the embodiment of uh, Gwen's ego because she admitted that Thor Gwen was that aspect of her personality? Maybe maybe Gwen's greed? I don't know. I feel like a lot of them are linked, but like maybe more of a greed thing when it's like a CEO type role. Because, uh, well, the solicit described Iron Gwen as eccentric. Yes. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I, I, okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested now. I, I, guess we'll, I guess we'll see how it, how it turns out. But we gotta wait until friggin' June for this issue. Really? June? What's the date in June it comes out? June 15. Wow, that's a month and a half until the next issue comes out. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's because of all these delays. That is wild. That is wild. And I think the last thing to check off the list is um we can quickly go through the art. Like I, I also like the art in this issue. Still nice and vibrant. And I also loved all of the characters' facial expressions. They all seem to emote exactly what they're feeling, especially with the part about the blushing. Yeah, like, no, I, I really enjoy that. Like, they, they, they have a lot of emotional beats. There's a lot of, like, subtler facial expressions that they kind of get with this that I enjoyed. And then there's also, like, a lot of use of the sound effects because, um, when, well, whenever they thwip, you can see the thwip. And then when Gwen Vereen brought her claws out, you can see the snicked. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it came together really nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jody Nishijima and Frederico Blee, yeah, they're just um hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing them like find an art style and like find a, find a kind of like a vibe with with this book. It's been good. Yeah. So does that wrap up everything we have to say about issue number two? I think it does. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think that's it. It's it was yeah, we got quite a bit out of that one. Any final opinions, or did we just wrap everything up? I'm I'm gonna save my 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 bigger judgments. I think until the end of the series. I think, but 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 yeah, my by and large, all of the opinions that I ha- I wanted to get off my chest, I think I got off there. Okay. But yeah, so uh, should I wrap up then? Yep. So this has been. Is this the year and is this the year anniversary of the podcast? This is. Yep. Wow. Well, there we go. So it's been a year. So we started out with Edge of Spider-Verse number two. And it's been a year and we're now doing um, uh, Gwenverse number two. So, you know, it all kind of it all kind of works out. It's been a pleasure. It's been lovely. I hope to continue doing this long into the future. Um, and I'm ever so grateful that um, we've found a nice little uh, rhythm here with this podcast. And that Abigail is is is, is, is kindly been my co-host this this whole time and, and put up with me very very well um and uh yeah no it's it's been a blast it's been really good yeah this has been a really great year for us because um before then i didn't even know uh, that uh, i would get into the world of podcasting and then like and then meeting someone who is a big fan of ghost spider as i am and then i met you oh thank you yeah no yeah everything turned out <laughs> It turned out really well. It's going really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, we're going to put in the description all the links for where to buy and where to read. There's a reading list uh, as well as links to Comixology. Um, so if you wanted to go and buy and read this uh, online, you can do that. If you are reading Gwenverse currently along with us, let us know what you think. Send us your thoughts. We usually put out a tweet. 
uh, on at gsgroupies. Go reply to that. Let us know what you think about it. And we also have an email at ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com. So send us your thoughts on there. Um, we also have a Ko-fi page uh, if you'd like to donate and help uh, supplement some of the uh, podcast subscription costs as well. Yes, please. All right. Thank you very much. I've been Pex. And I've been Abigail. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.